0: Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.
1: From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Sol Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As we end 2020, the California Report is looking back on this very difficult and confusing year and reflecting on the events, movements, and people who helped shape it. Today, we turn to racial justice issues and the role of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. We're joined by Melina Abdullah, a professor at Cal State Los Angeles and one of the founders of BLM. Professor, Black Lives Matter played a huge role in the national discussion in 2020. Do you think it has a permanent place in American and California? Of politics and society.
2: Absolutely. I think that we've built a really strong movement where people are understanding. Remember, seven years ago, people were resistant to say the words Black Lives Matter. Now we have them painted on the ground in Washington, D.C. So people are unafraid to say Black Lives Matter. They're understanding what those words mean. We have Um, Black folks absolutely at the helm of the movement, but also non-Black folks who recognize that Black freedom is essential to everyone else's freedom. And so we've built a movement that's absolutely Black-led and ally-supported. And we've grown by leaps and bounds into many millions of people the world over.
1: If those were the successes of Black Lives Matter in 2020, what were some of the failures or things you didn't achieve, especially here in California?
2: Of course, there was um, tremendous disappointment that we had some policy solutions that we proposed that even in the midst of this Black Lives Matter movement moment didn't pass. So we had a really easy bill um, in front of the state legislature, a police decertification bill that would have made police who kill people decertify them. It would take away their Badges, So they couldn't just jump from one law enforcement unit to another. Um, And that bill wasn't even heard by the California state legislature. So that was a heartbreak. Um, And when we think about police reform overall in terms of the will of the California legislature, it was, you know, heartbreaking, troubling, problematic that no major piece of police reform, no meaningful piece, of police reform legislation passed the California legislature this year. And so that is heartbreaking, but also it's enraging to a degree. And it's something that we have to hold our legislators accountable for.
1: You know, Americans and Californians are concerned about a lot of things right now, the pandemic, the state of the economy, and other worries will inevitably emerge. Do you fear the attention could shift away from Black Lives Matter and a lot of the issues that are important to you?
2: Well, we know that with any movement, there are ebbs and flows. We know that we can in no way sustain the level of engagement that we've witnessed over the summer. In Los Angeles, we had one of the largest marches in history, 150,000 people pouring into the streets of Hollywood for a single march. And this is a moving march, right? Uh, 150,000 people. We're not going to have 150,000 people every single day. But we've raised consciousness among millions of people. And so we're not afraid of those ebbs and flows. That's natural. What we're not going to give up is the consistency of the movement. Um, you know, freedom for Black people, justice for Black people never goes out of style, and we're never going to give it up.
1: And, and looking ahead, what do you think Black Lives Matter and its allies could accomplish in 2021?
2: We can absolutely, in each of our cities, um, invest our budgets into the things that actually make communities safe, especially in the midst of a global health pandemic with an economic fallout. We should be investing in housing and mental health care and quality programs for our children and divesting from a policing system that absolutely puts targets on the backs of Black people and poor people and people with mental health conditions. And so we're committed to doing that, and we think that we can get that win in the next 12 months.
1: And you think there's wider support for that agenda and you can bring others along?
2: This is a moment when the world has cracked wide open, when all of our most radical imaginings of people having all of what they need and most of what they want is possible. And so we think 2021 moves us into that space of really making real, making real the most radical imaginings that really usher us into a space of greater peace, freedom, and justice.
1: All right. Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter LA, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Thanks for reaching out. Hi, I'm Power Foggett.
1: Long before the Black Lives Matter movement at the beginning of the 20th century, a newspaper called The Liberator served L.A.'s black community during a time when only a few thousand black people lived in L.A. and were barely represented in other media. The California Report's Lily Jamali spoke to Shea Tayefe Mohejer of Cronkite News about The Liberator's impact on L.A.'s emerging black community and the man who published the newspaper.
3: Dale Edmonds was born a slave in 1852 um, it was the antebellum South and he he lived the massive transition of America and um, he, you know, invented a newspaper almost whole cloth. Um, he started his own thing, um, but he became a part of a movement in the early black press um, in America and really tried to um, attract and invite Uh, Black people who were still living in the South and elsewhere in the country to come to Los Angeles and to come to California, because at that time, um, there were more freedoms here Mm -hmm. for Black people. And there was, frankly, less population in general, but also um, a little bit less uh, segregation and ingrained racism that slavery had created in the South.
4: And he was telling, you write about how Edmonds was telling untold stories of racial discrimination in The Liberator. How big of a deal was that in the moment that he was doing this at the turn of the century?
3: I think it's worth remembering what the other media in Los Angeles was to answer that question. Um, He was working in Los Angeles at a time that the Los Angeles Times itself um, was operated by anti-unionists and conservatives um, who really were not doing a lot of uh, diversity coverage, we'll say. Mm -hmm. Um, They did not take a look at their Black communities um, and really, were painting a different picture of Los Angeles. Uh, they called it the Great White Spot. Uh, mm. They didn't intend it racially, but in a sense, it's implied because their pages also lacked coverage of uh, the diverse communities and the people that preceded California. Um, you know, Mexicans and. Los Angeles often say the border crossed us, Um, but those weren't the people that the newspaper uh, was covering at the time. They were obsessed with business and um, the interests of capital. And JL Edmonds wanted to uh, portray his community and his people and the growth of uh, the black community in Los Angeles. When he came here, there were only 2,000 black people noted in a census, you know, those records aren't always the best particularly among marginalized people. Um, But he was part of a small but growing population of Black people who saw value in coming to California.
4: And give us a taste of what kinds of stories were being covered in The Liberator. I mean, you've you've laid out who he was trying to reach, he was trying
3: to attract freed slaves. I think The Liberator was what one might call a general interest publication. It really was very broad-spanning. You would find advertisements for local Black-owned businesses, um, and Jail himself would write long um, instructions uh, on how to vote and how to become a participant. He actually printed a copy of ballots, which was absolutely revolutionary for a Black newspaper um, to share. Um, and he also really cracked down on what he felt was race-based corruption. Um, when there was a uh, candidate who was in favor of openly charging Black people more for services and goods in Los Angeles, it was JL Edmonds who really called that out. and. Um, That candidate lost uh, by a narrow margin and JL later took credit saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, we we called it out and people responded to that at the ballot box. Um, So he was very focused on um, the rights of black people in Los Angeles, in addition to attracting people here from other parts of the country.
4: And and so so the Liberator ended up lasting for about 15 years, all told. What kind of legacy did, did he leave behind?
3: I think JL, because he challenged uh, newspapers and his competition in LA at the LA Times, um, his great-great-granddaughter, the way that she explained it is, you know, when he stayed in his lane and was offering them editorials about life um, as a slave and offering them the content that they uh, sought, um, he was very well regarded. um, But he had challenged the times on what he felt was biased coverage um, later in his life. And um, at the end of his life, uh, really felt a bit neglected um, and disrespected, I think, by the local newspaper of mm. record. Um, and, you know, that scene in the way um, his obituary was handled by the Los Angeles Times, uh, they wrote one scant line saying that he had died, essentially. Um, so for this story, I went back and looked at the way he was eulogized uh, in the Black press and The obituaries were long and loving Mm. and lauded him as a man of his time um, who had fought for the grace and dignity of his people. Um, And the contrast was really quite dramatic. The way he was treated by an all-white newspaper uh, versus the way he was treated in the black press uh, itself speaks volumes.
4: Thank you for memorializing his life in this way and for this terrific story in the Columbia Journalism Review. Thanks. Great to have you on the show.
3: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care on the web at chcf.org voices. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com.
1: And that's the California Report for Tuesday, December 29th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great day.
0: Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions online or through star one's mobile app star one credit union in your best interest hey john favreau here there's no shortage of political takes in 2024 but quantity doesn't cut it we need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives on pod save america me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help every tuesday wednesday and friday pod save america is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh cry and snap our laptops in half expensive year for laptops Make sure to check out new
3: episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel
0: now.